have no hands but yours to tend my sheep No handkerchief but yours to dry the eyes of those who weep I have no arms but yours with which to hold The ones grown weary from the struggle And weak from growing Yours with which to see to let my children know that I am love and love is everything. I have no way to feed the hungry souls, no clothes to give the naked, the ragged and the The tangled knots and twisted chains that strangle fearful minds. Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of people living lives of fruitful service, of peace, community, compassion, creative action, and progressive efforts. I'll be tracing the spiritual roots that support and nourish them in their service. Above all, I'll seek out light, love, and helping hands being shared between our many neighbors on this planet, hoping to inspire and encourage you to sink deep roots and produce sacred fruit in your own life. I have no way to open people's eyes Except that you will show them how to trust the inner Today on Spirit in Action, we'll be visiting with three members of the Restored Israel of Yahweh, a religious group from southern New Jersey whose members practice religious pacifism, including their refusal to pay federal taxes because they go primarily for war. Because of their open and principled refusal to pay war taxes, three members of the Restored Israel of Yahweh were sentenced to prison earlier this year. Inga Donato will finish her six-month term in February 2006, a couple weeks before her husband, Joseph Donato, begins his 27-month sentence. Kevin McKee begins his 24-month sentence in December of this year. We visit with Kevin and Joe today and with another elder of their group, Charles Mixco. All three have been members of this organization for more than 25 years and have observed its principles, including the non-payment of federal taxes that would go to war. The organization was founded by Leo J. Volpe, known by members of the group as the Prophet Jeremiah. Group efforts are concentrated around Bible study and insights and faithful adherence to the biblical truths, including preparation for the end times prophesied in the book of Revelations. This interview will be by phone, and because there are only two phones on the other end of the line, members of the group will take turns in speaking with me. I'll start by speaking with Kevin and Charles. But first, we'll listen to one of the songs they requested that I include in this program, Blowing in the Wind by Bob Dylan. How 
many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How many seas must the white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Yes, and how many years can a mountain exist before it is washed to the sea? Yes, and how many years can some people exist before they're allowed to be free? Yes, and how many times can a man turn his head and pretend that he just doesn't see the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Yes, and how many times must a man look up before? He can see the sky. Yes, and how many ears must one man have before he can hear people cry? Yes, and how many deaths will it take till he knows that too many people have died? The answer, my friend. Is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. I'd like to welcome you, both Kevin and Charles, to Spirit in Action. How are you two doing today? Very well, and thank you very much for doing this interview. We really appreciate it. Thank you for people like you and programs that you have. We really appreciate it. Let's start with you, Kevin, since I've spoke to you one time before. The reason that I became aware of you for this program was via a listserv about war tax resistance cases. Can you tell me just about the whole genesis of the court case, what it was about, and how that relates to your faith? Well, the court case was about our refusal to pay federal income tax, which our organization both will not pay for war or we won't participate in it at all. And my business partner and myself, Joseph Donato, have a construction company in southern New Jersey. We're well known as the the organization and well known also by the IRS that we don't pay the federal income tax. Actually, the, the fellow that founded our organization, Leo Volpe, refused to pay federal income tax since 1948. And part of our understanding 
of the scriptures is that these are things that would be used to truly honor your way and not refusing to participate in war and also go ahead and not pay for it. And what had happened in, in Joe and I's situation was that an ex-member had actually gone to the IRS regarding our whole entire organization, more or less telling them that we don't pay federal income tax, which they were well aware of here in southern New Jersey. But they found the right aggressive agent and came after both Joe and I and pursued us for about maybe three to four years. And we refused to acknowledge them and talk to them. But it ended up with uh, arrest at both of our houses. Joe's more, uh, he could say, violent than uh, mine was, but they did enter his house with drawn guns and arrested both him and his wife in April, just prior to the April filing date. And they arrested me at my house about 20 miles away. We stood up the trial. We went through the trial. We did something that we normally don't do, and that is to accept attorneys. But we thought it would be better if we used to try to use the attorneys and try to use every available asset to us to try to uh, fight this case. And we were sadly disappointed because we found out that the main thing they use is case law. And all case law goes against people refusing to pay federal income tax for religious reasons. All three of us were convicted. We were convicted in, uh, in December. And we were sentenced on July 1st. My business partner, Joe, had 27 months. His wife, Inga, had a very minor role in this whole ordeal, received six months. And I received 24 months. And the 24-month sentence, I'm going to begin serving December 12th. And Joe's wife, Inga, has already been incarcerated for the last three months. She went in in August. So that's where we are today. Our stands have not changed. Our views are still the same.
What was the actual charge against you in court? It wasn't just that you owed money, I don't think. They usually attack on some other kind of charge. Charges were failure to pay. It was for tax evasion, failure to file tax returns. And since we owned a construction company, as an employer, we also employed members of our organization. They also refused to uh, pay the income tax, so we respected their decision. But as an employer, it put us in a situation where we were responsible for paying over their taxes. So that's why they would get us on tax evasion as an employer. Did you in any way lie to anyone? No, we would never lie to anyone regarding it. We were very open and upright about our decision, and there would be no need to lie. I mean, we suffered the consequences of our stand. My question was not because I thought you lied. As a matter of fact, I was pretty sure you didn't. What I was trying to understand is why they were calling it evasion. As an employer, it's our responsibility to pay over these taxes. And since we didn't, it's evading taxes. It's refusing to hand them over regarding our employees. Could you talk to me a little bit about the roots of this belief and practice? As I've mentioned, I've been a war tax resistor since 1982. Where did you find the inspiration and the sustaining power to face the government and face prison time? Well, I'd say in the late 70s, I became uh, affiliated with the Restorative of Your Way. It's a Bible-based religious society in southern New Jersey. The foundation of our understanding is the scriptures. We understand the scriptures that we, we know it. A lot of it pertains to the prophecies that pertain to the last days, and these were revealed to the man that we recognize as Leo Volpe, as one that the living God has inspired to understand these scriptures. In his lifetime, one of the things that he realized that would be to honor the living God is not to participate in war, which during the Second World War, he refused to go into the armed services. And then in 1948, he also realized that paying for these wars was also something that would not truly honor his God, so he refused to pay the veterans of tax. And it's been one of his teachings for years, and it's been one of the understandings in our organization not to pay the tax, striving to do what's right and honor the living God. Charles, could you give me some comments on that background? As far as the beginnings of this society, it, it be, had its beginning around 1940, it began with Leo Volpe, who understood that he was being guided by the Holy Spirit to understand the prophecies of the scriptures. He was alone in this understanding for many years, really with only him and this one family, but it was decades of understanding that he accumulated a great knowledge of the prophecies. And I would say that it's this great understanding that we have of the prophecies that gives us the faith to be able to make the stand because we strongly believe that this is guided by the Almighty God and that uh, Leo Volpe is someone special and that Yahweh will protect us uh, in this stand. Could you explain to me a little bit about the background of the name of your group, the Restored Israel of Yahweh? Okay, this name was begun by uh, Leo Volpe who, well, the name Israel has to do with the restoration of God's people. Throughout the scriptures, it's very clear that in, during the uh, time of the Old Testament, which we call the Hebrew scriptures, God dealt with the nation of Israel. But as uh, Leo Volpe has brought out, 
that that nation was a typical nation of a greater Israel in the last days. That Israel would be made up of people from all nationalities, Jew and Gentile. The name Israel means those who strive with God. And we understand that this could apply to people of any nationality or race. And uh, at this time, it's who we're gathering, who we call true Israel. The name Yahweh has to do with the name of God. The name Yahweh was suppressed and hidden by the Jews of old, believing that it would be sacrilegious to use his name. But actually, the name Yahweh gave to his people as a memorial to be named. And it's under the Holy Spirit that we have been using this name. And so what we have is this organization is the restoration of the true nation of Israel, which is under the Almighty God, Yahweh. At what age, Charles, did you become affiliated with this group? Uh, I was 22. Uh, that was 28 years ago. What led you to affiliate? What religion were you raised or what was your background? I was raised as a uh, Catholic. I was a church-going Catholic, always raised to be religious. In my teen years, I had questions, began to question the Catholic teachings, and really stopped uh, going. And I was searching for the truth. I believe that there was one truth that was out there. And I was walking down the boardwalk one time where members of the society were standing and saw the signs and began talking with them in the summer of 77 and was very impressed by their knowledge that that one time I spoke with them. So their knowledge of scriptures was what particularly attracted you? Yes. I just could tell through, it was actually the prophecies of the Bible and I sensed from the first time that I had spoken with some of these members that there was true knowledge here and as I said before believing that there was one, you could say, universal truth, one truth that exists. I believe at that time I had found this truth and believe it even more today. Were you disinclined to join the group when you learned that they chose a rather difficult road of opposing all participation in war, including through payment of taxes? No, that wasn't a factor. I, uh, I very firmly believed that this was the right thing to do and that the Almighty God would protect me in this stand that I made. Is this a universal requirement, request, or otherwise uh, encouraged amongst all of your members? Well, to not file for federal income tax is required in order to become a baptized member, be able to show that faith, that you have the faith to make that stand. Though we do have members, people, attendees among us, who do pay federal income tax, uh, they're able to associate with us, so that's not a requirement for attending studies. Having been a war tax resistor for quite a while, I also have learned to avoid the federal phone tax because that started as a war tax specifically, although it's become part of the general pot. Do you try and deal with that kind of payment of federal tax as well? We uh, became informed many years ago I believe through the Quakers, possibly, that the phone tax was going to fund warfare, and at that time we had made a stand to refuse to pay the phone tax, and we have a method by sending in a uh, form. We uh, made a regular practice of that also.
Have other members of your group had to suffer or face prison or fines for their witness? Leo Volpe was the first of our society to be arrested and uh, convicted for refusing to pay federal income tax. That conviction was in 1983. He served four months for that conviction. And since then, it's really only been this case that has happened. Could you enlarge for me the roots of this practice in your beliefs? Where does it stem from? I'm just curious if you can explain to some of our listeners why this is so compelling and why you choose a really difficult road and very honorable one. The primary example for not going to war would be the Messiah. He obviously had spoken of turning the other cheek and to love thy neighbor and love thy enemy, to be kind to thy enemy and to love thy neighbor as thyself. And really, even by his life example, even not only by his words, but by his actions and by the actions of his followers, the disciples, they all show a consistent pattern of not uh, killing. There is the well-known verse uh, when Jesus was asked about paying taxes and render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. How do you look at that passage? Okay, that's a very key verse. What it brings out is when he is asked to pay the tax to Rome, his response is to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. What we understand from that is that everything is God's. The earth and the fullness thereof and the people on that planet are all God's and nothing is Caesar's. So you really you owe him nothing when it comes to funding warfare. Of course, we would pay our fair share of and if anything that we partake of, we contribute to and should contribute to to be servants of the Almighty God. But when it comes to warfare is where we make the distinction. How do you honorably deal with the money that you don't pay? Is there an alternative place that you dedicate that money to? Well, we would be willing to pay a tax into the peace tax funds, which is not possible. Actually, during the court case, that possibility was raised, in which we were very willing to do that to show that we are willing to pay our share. It's just not possible. But I would say that the monies that, well, first of all, the monies that we don't pay into the federal income tax would be money that would be going to war. So there's very little of that that would be going to any other source. Mark, can I jump in here for a minute regarding that? Is that Kevin? Yes. Okay, please, Kevin. One thing Charles was bringing out, which was kind of hopeful during our trial, was that the judge offered what he called a trial balloon in the first day of sentencing, which was on June 17th. And he asked the prosecution if they would settle for us paying a large fine in lieu of zeroing out our balance, our tax liability. It was something new. Inca Donato's attorney, Peter Goldberger, which represents war tax resistors throughout the nation, was very encouraging about this, and so were all of us. But what happened was the IRS was instructed to go back to Washington and ask their superiors regarding this. We thought we saw some daylight there. We were willing to pay a large fine. It could have been as much as $250,000 to zero out, to show our sincerity and pay our taxes, but for a good cause. And on July 1st, when we reconvened for the continuation of our sentencing hearing, we were all sadly disappointed with the government's response, that they said that they would not do this, that they actually sought punishment rather than a a solution like that. Kevin, you've been sentenced to go to prison very shortly. When do you go off to prison? And what happens to your business in the meantime, and what happens to your duties in the church? 
I'm scheduled to go to Minersville, Pennsylvania, federal work camp there on December 12th. Joe Donato and myself, our business has more or less, it's come to an end, and we no longer are, are subcontractors in southern New Jersey. And as far as the people that we're closely associated with, the Restored Israel Way, it's going to hurt them. And we're party to the organization. Uh, we're very, very active with Joe and I. But we just know that that Joe and I and Inga, we're going to suffer through this. And our hope and desire is this suffering, this stand, this sincerity, something really good will come out of it. Are members of the Restored Israel of Yahweh are they allowed to be politically active? Are they encouraged to, or are they encouraged to avoid that? The basic understanding that we have that we do not get involved in politics. We don't vote for politicians. We don't petition Congress. We usually have no faith in not only the leadership of the United States, but the leadership of any nation. What the Messiah said is you cannot put a new patch on an old garment. And we recognize the prophecies clearly bring out that the nations of this world are doomed to destruction. And these aren't our words, these are the words of the scriptures. And so the best thing that we can do to alleviate suffering of this world is to let them know that uh, the leaders of this world are not benefiting them and that the Bible clearly has brought out that these nations are going down. Our main focus is the establishment of God's kingdom on this earth, and that the only relief of suffering for mankind in this world is going to be when he establishes his kingdom on the earth, which is all throughout the scriptures. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is what we are working for. This is when the suffering of man will be finished. I'm curious. I know a number of people of, I guess you'd say, fundamentalist Christian persuasion, And I've actually heard some of them say that, well, in essence, they support U.S. policies towards the Middle East in the hopes that it will actually lead to World War III. And with uh, that destruction, the final war, Armageddon comes on, and then the second coming of Jesus. So they find themselves in the position of not supporting peace because they think that will hasten Jesus' return. What do your church members think about that? Well, this is Kevin again. To start, you're talking about things that religionists look into the Bible, and you're talking about things in the book of Revelation. And really, no one has the right to go into the Bible or the book of Revelation to, to interpret it. And there's many religions, there's thousands of religions on the face of the earth, and many people have interpreted it, and people try to apply it to the the events of today, but we know and understand that the, the living God inspired these men, the apostles or the prophets, and recorded all these, these uh, prophecies. It's only through His Holy Spirit, one that would claim to have His Holy Spirit, that would be given the, the right and the authority to interpret it. And that's who we feel that we've met, is one of these men, that the Almighty God has told him years ago that He would give him a great knowledge. And part of that great knowledge is the interpretation of the scriptures and the interpretation of Revelation. And I understand that, that the, the world is going to form a one-world government, but it's not going to be through the, uh, the way people see it today, through the, the efforts of the United States and what they're doing in the Middle East. 
they're going to form a one world government of peace because of what the living God will start to do on the earth. And that is, he's going to bring about his selective rulers, which will be in competition or rival the rulers of this earth. And in a uh, effort to try to straighten up their system, because the prophets, just like the Messiah, they're going to point out all the inconsistencies, all the tragedies, all the way they're treating the people, these rules, and neglecting them. And he'll point, they'll point them out. And in response, the world does unite. The United States and Russia and the Vatican will unite to form the final world power that mankind will actually come into existence. And the Bible brings this out as the, the eighth and final world power, they call it in, in Matthew, the abomination of desolation. And they do it, in, like I said, rivalry to the, uh, what the Almighty God is doing, that he's setting up his kingdom on the earth. But as these world powers are, their interest is in themselves. At the end, the two superpowers, the two nations, try to hold together, try to unite, try to keep their one world order going, but it will fail miserably. And just as all the nations throughout the history have always tried to dominate one another, the Bible brings out that these these two nations will go to war, and as in Zechariah brings out, the plague that will befall all mankind will be a nuclear war. And it's understood that two-thirds of mankind will die in the, in the near future, and it will be a result of what the nations do, but it will all be started by what the living God does here on the earth. I want to thank you, Kevin, for taking time to speak with us. I wonder if we can put Joe on the line so I can speak with him. Uh, how are you doing today, Joe? Fine. Thank you, Mark. I understand that your wife is actually serving her time right now. Uh, when does she get out, and when do you go in? How long was she in for? She's serving a six-month sentence, and she'll be out in February 6th. The court allowed us to stagger our sentence so that I would go in two weeks after she gets out, so I'll be going in on the 21st of February. Do the two of you have children that you're responsible No, no we didn't. In fact... That was one of the reasons why we put off having children, to be the best service that we can, sacrifice as part of our faith and our belief in the works that we know that we had to do. We put off having children, sometimes just for this reason. You know, this is to be an obvious reason. Could you tell me, Joe, I think you were raised Catholic as well as both Charles and Kevin, is that right? Yeah, that's true, and Kevin and I attended the same grade school. Is this particularly common, or did I just happen to run into the three ex-Catholic members of your group? Yeah, it is a coincidence. But I think basically Catholics get a fundamental establishment of value on the Bible and God. Some don't. It means some to a lot of people, and to some people it doesn't mean anything. I think it's just a coincidence that Charles, Kevin, and myself all happen to be Catholic. I think we learned about the Bible there. We probably would have come across it or searched it out later on in life, but at least we were exposed to it at an early age. At the same rate, we all left the Catholic teachings when we desired to get a deeper understanding. Once you start reading the Bible, seriously reading the Bible and get away from the catechism, uh, you find out that the teachings of the Bible are in conflict with what is being taught or practiced in mainstream religion today. Which of you, Kevin or you, Joe, got involved with the group first? Almost simultaneously, although uh, we had gone our separate ways during high school and went to work in different parts of the state, and I started studying the Bible 
with the restored Israel of UA. And then I think maybe a week later, Kevin showed up at a Bible study. And that's just simply how it was. What drew you to this group? Was it their witness, their deep understanding, inspirational personalities? I had searched out religious uh, understandings and doctrines when I became serious at the age of about 18 or 19, let's say. Um, It's just an overwhelming feeling that what does the future hold? Where do I fit in with the future? And then I just realized that our God, Yuei, who knows everything and has put it in a book, what better source would there be to gain an understanding that would help understand his purpose and the purpose of mankind? And in fact, I found it to all be in the scriptures, but I didn't find it everywhere or anywhere except for with the restored Israel the away. And then I, uh, upon uh, meeting them and looking at the literature and having some Bible studies, concluded that, yes, this is definitely the deepest and the most consistent understanding or interpretation of the Bible, especially prophecy, that I have ever found. It was something that I was deeply desiring. Could you explain to me maybe what the basic tenets of your faith are? How would I know that you were not Baptist? How would I know you were not Catholic? How would I know you're not Quaker? Well, we're a small organization, and how would you know? It would only be through the scriptures, the understanding of the scriptures. I would say we have a lot in common as far as being charitable or friendly, kind, all the virtues of the scriptures that would be applied to those who would try to live in accordance with the Bible and with its teachings. I'd say we have the most consistent and the best understanding of the Bible that you've ever heard or seen, that I've ever heard or seen, and I think that's where it lies is in the scriptures. So it does take in-depth Bible understanding to be able to differentiate us from other religions or societies that you might come in contact with, which makes it very difficult to be known. You would only know us if you decided to study the Bible. I believe maybe it was Kevin or Charles mentioned that one of your requirements of membership is non-payment, actually non-filing, I think. Tell me which one it is. Well, I don't know that it's either. All we do is possibly... When you bring out the scriptures, really the scriptures say it itself, is that you should do violence to no man. There's a lot of scriptures that show that it's what's in your heart. For instance, Christ said, if you just think about this, then you're sinning. I tell you, this day, if you just think about doing it, then it's as good as doing it. So by proxy, if you're paying for violence, you're in violation of the Almighty God's laws. So we wouldn't directly teach somebody that you shouldn't pay federal income tax or that you can't pay federal income tax. The Bible pretty much brings out what's right and what's wrong. And uh, then I think it becomes a personal choice for an individual how far they want to take it, how far they feel in their heart that they want to make sacrifice or render an offering or devotion to their God. Uh, It's not for everybody. There's people who can't take that position because it would be, it's an extremely brave and uh, it takes sacrifice. We have governments that are unwilling. As much as they preach, there's guaranteed freedoms in this country. Try not paying a tax that you know, conservatively, 80% goes towards the killing of what history has proven to be uh, casualties, 90%, usually civilian, at war. These are innocent victims of aggression. So therefore, 
it's hard to say it in one sentence, but this is what the Bible brings out, is that you should not kill, first and foremost, thou shalt not kill. We all know that it's definitely a, a murderous act to hire somebody to kill for you, so why would it be any different if you would give tribute to an organization or a man or a government or a military that relies upon your financial contribution to do so? But when you think about it, and I would pose this question to the judge, the judge in our case knew very little about taxes himself. And we proved during the trial, and even after its sentencing, that there was no way to separate the funds. The funds are so commingled. For instance, let's say I asked the judge this personally. Uh, do you know which part of your tax dollars went towards building a bridge and which part went towards the carpet bombing of Cambodia? What could he say? He would say, no, I, I don't know. How could I tell you that? That goes for anybody who contributes. The government does not consistently, will not allow people of faith, people of religion, to separate their monies, which I'm sure you're well aware of, being acquainted with the friends, with the struggle that they've had over, over so many years. Are there other ways in outward practice that people would recognize your faith? Uh, would recognize the fruits of your practice? Well, we have been doing a standing work as how I became acquainted with this society. We've stood for decades on the boardwalk uh, with signs. We've just begun standing again in Philadelphia with signs trying to make people aware of the situation that's going on and really the purpose of the Almighty God in these last days. So it's a standing work. And I would say that your question, you know, what identifies us I think what identifies us from other religious beliefs is our teaching of the establishment of the kingdom on the earth and the prophecies of the upcoming destruction of the system, and I think that's a key. When you're standing out on the boardwalk, what kind of sign? I think you said you were holding signs. What kind of signs might you have? What might they say? Well, that was in the past, and due to lack of response, we had discontinued that work, but we're reinstituting the standing in Philadelphia now, and... The signs are concerning the present case that's going on, and we're bringing out how three have been in prison for refusing to fund warfare. We're bringing out that a woman is sitting in jail right now because she refuses to fund war and for obeying her conscience has been jailed, and how the claim of freedom of religion we really found to be a farce because this is a basic understanding of our society for decades that you cannot pay for war without sinning against God, and this is what we've done, and so we bring that out in the sign also. And also we have some signs having to do with the establishment of God's kingdom, and again, the fact that also the funding of federal income tax is going to contribute to this final war in which two-thirds of man will die, and we would like everyone to know this. I'd like to move on to another subject. When I spoke with Kevin, previous phone call, he mentioned to me kind of a communal center that you worked on building, although I understand you've backed off from that. In the past, have you attempted to live somewhat communally? How do you live outwardly? How do you get together, work together, and how do you practice your religion together? Well, we have Bible studies, which is pretty much how we practice. This is Joe, which is how we practice our faith. Our community is really, we call it a community, but it's far from communal living. Um, it was just a way to benefit our members through voluntary work, much like 
I guess the closest thing would be like a Habitat for Humanity type thing, where we volunteered on weekends to help build houses for each of the members of our organization. Each house is on a good section of land. We did purchase our own sawmill and, you know, did everything ourselves as much as possible. And I believe it was, I won't say it's an experiment. A better word would be a practice. We did a method of practice to show that we can benefit each other materially by working in harmony and without added expenditures, the burden of taking monies and putting them there where they don't belong, living peacefully with each other and efficiently with one another and in harmony. And so we did build a few houses, but we stopped that because the times have changed a little bit. And I suppose until our members grow, we probably will not resume that. I believe you called that place Community Village. Does it still exist? Is it still owned by members of your group? And is it just on hold, or are you getting rid of it? Yeah, no, it just remains the way it is for now. We're not aggressively building anymore. But if membership were to increase, that's something that could and would be done in the future. We're not sure that it would be exactly. I think it was a trial run, you could say, that we learned a lot from it. And I think we'll be really well prepared for an increase in membership when the time comes. But it certainly was something that was successful and works and could be done without all, you know, the, the interference of bureaucratic red tape and leeches on a community. The work was distributed well. It was all voluntary. Everybody's hearts were in it. And there was a harmony there because everybody was there for the same, on the, for the same accord. And that's what made it work. You know, as compared to a government where you have two parties, they actually fight one another. I mean, how can anything good come from that? They're sapping financial coffers, and they can't seem to agree on a thing. So we kind of did that as a contrast. What honest, sincere people can do is compared to maybe what you could say what life would be like in the kingdom, kingdom on earth, uh, people working together with no boundaries between race or nationality, but just one desire, and that is to love one another. And that's a beautiful thing, but that just isn't going to be established by man. You can play the game and you can act out the part Though you know it wasn't written for you but Tell me how can you stand there with your broken heart Ashamed of playing a fool But one thing can lead to another doesn't take any sacrifice Oh, father and mother, sister and brother If it feels nice, don't think twice Just shower the people you love with love Show them the way that you This is widely known 
Tell me a little bit more. I'm having a hard time understanding how you work together as a group. I understand that Leo Volpe was the founder or the inspiration, the person who was most gifted with interpretation of scriptures, and he he got you going to some degree. But he passed away April of 2000. So what kind of structure do you have to continue? Do you appoint elders? Is everyone equal? Are men and women equal within your group? Oh, yes, yes. And that was something that Jeremiah, is what we could call him, Jeremiah, the prophet, that is something that he really enforced heavily, is that men and women were equal and will be equal in the kingdom. There's no difference except for physical ability. His words live on just as all prophets' words live on. They have no less weight now with his passing as they did when he spoke them. His words, just like Daniel's and Ezekiel's and Yahshua the Messiah, they're infinite. His interpretation of biblical prophecy is especially still right on the money, though he's not with us. How do you continue to function? I I think at one point he provided a strong center, maybe, for your group. How do you make decisions? Like the apostles did. Uh You know, after they felt it strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Well, in a way, you could say maybe it's a test for us, possibly. We don't know what the Almighty God does, but we have a good core of members. I would liken it to the apostleship, really. 
Do you make joint decisions? I mean, do you vote or do you do like what Quakers do, a consensus or spirit-led decision-making? Yes, yes. That, that would be a good way to say it, a practical and spirit-led decision-making. Do you appoint clerks or elders or do you have someone who's assigned to run your meetings or to present your Bible studies? We have a core of elders, you could say, We all practice Bible studies, giving Bible talks in preparation for them, covering every Bible study that we can. We have literature. We have printed literature of many, many Bible studies. We have a book in publication. And the group functions as an organization with a core body of elders. And we rely on the Holy Spirit. And what the scriptures say is that in the multitude, there will be wisdom. So we act all together as much as we can. It strikes me that in some ways your group might be considered to be very liberal, and from some people's point of view, you might be considered conservative. Are either of those labels okay with you or not okay with you? We don't have a definition of liberal or conservative. It's either right or wrong if it can be scripturally backed one way or the other. I imagine in the aftermath of your court case that you had a certain number of people who were opposed to war and payment for war who came to champion your cause. But a lot of them might have considered themselves fringe liberal folks. But on the other hand, they might not at all be biblically based or connected, and so they would feel very different. Did you experience that kind of dissonance? No. People seek us out because they want to profoundly understand the Bible. Some people will leave because they decide maybe that's not what they really want. They may not agree. But that's why people would seek us out primarily, is to get a profound understanding of the Bible. You get all kinds of people in all walks of life, you know, and there's all kinds of things that people believe in and ideologies and things like that. It's all confusion. It's all adding to the confusion that this world is in. Religion itself is very confused, and religion has turned off a lot of people, because on one hand it's very extreme, and on the other hand it can be very liberal. Like I said, the only thing we can fall back on is that if it's scripturally sound, if it's in the Bible, it's either right or wrong. Kevin, could you tell me how we could get more information about your group, or maybe contact you? We have an established website. It's www rioy.org and on that we have various articles regarding our the interpretation of the scriptures and all the current events with our organization at this time the website again is www.rioy.org and if they had questions to direct to you they could do that through the website yes they could I want to thank you all for taking the time to be with me Kevin, when is it you go into jail? I go in December 12th this year. My heart goes with you as you serve out your witness. I do hope that the time spent there is both light on your head and good in your heart. I appreciate that, Mark. And thank you for your witness for peace. I do know that our country and our world need more people who are willing to stand up and be faithful. That's very true. I'm glad you you point that out, is that... If more people would do it, would really look into the Bible, would really stand up, that would make a difference, would make an impact. I firmly believe that that will happen one day. And I want to thank you too, Joe, specifically. It must be a pretty heavy burden to face, and maybe it's one of those yokes that 
is both heavy and light to have your wife in prison right now and yourself contemplating going in just in February. Yes, but we really don't have a choice, Mark. You know, I'm sure you realize that. We really don't have a choice. There was no way out. The court made that very clear. If it's a choice between man or God, you know what the scriptures say, you know, you don't fear he who can take your body, but he who can take your body and soul. And that's the Almighty God. But it really helps when people like yourself speak out and help bring about awareness. And we're willing to sacrifice ourselves for this cause. And I want to thank you too, Charles, for being with us here today. I also send my best wishes and prayers to you. I realize with these two very strong and important members of your community in prison, that leaves all that much more work that you'll be supporting. You have my prayers in going forward in that. Thank you. It was nice speaking with you. And yes, it is a difficult time for us right now. I mean, dealing with the loss of our profit, you know, only five years ago and the jailing. It's a difficult time, but I guess it's a time for us to prove our faith. I thank all three of you for being here today. Stay strong in the faith. We uh, enjoyed your music on your tapes as we were listening to them, and we just had some suggestions for some songs. That'd be great. I was going to ask you that. Hey, uh, this is Charles again. Uh, well, we just thought some good ones might be uh, There's a Hole in the World by the Eagles, and If I Had a Hammer, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Shower the People, James Taylor, Blowing in the Wind, uh, Bob Dylan. Okay. Those would be great. I think I'll be able to include them in. Okay, thanks to all three of you, and be very well and be faithful. Okay, thank you. Bye. There's a
tonight been listening to an interview with members of the Restored Israel of Yahweh, a religious group from southern New Jersey. Two of the people I spoke with, Joseph Donato and Kevin McKee, will be heading off to prison for their non-payment of war taxes. The other member we spoke with is Charles Mixco. Charles is an elder in the group. You can listen to this program again and find more information about this group via my website, northernspiritradio.org. Included in this program were four songs requested by Charles, Joe, and Kevin. We started with Blowing in the Wind by Bob Dylan. We listened to If I Had a Hammer by Peter, Paul, and Mary. James Taylor sang Shower the People. We finished with There's a Hole in the World by the Eagles. The theme music for Spirit in Action is I Have No Hands But Yours by Carol Johnson. Thank you for listening. I welcome your comments and stories of those leading lives of spiritual fruit. You can email me at helpsmeet at usa.net. May you find deep roots to support you and grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. I have no higher call for you than this, to love and serve your neighbor in joy and Love and serve your neighbor in joy and selflessness.